0: Then remember, justice isn't very far behind for that person either. Love for those on the margins, it's the seed out of which the reality of God's inclusive, just future sprouts. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery and this is episode 314 and our title is The Refusal of the Older Brother. Our feature text is Luke 15, 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Now this story in Luke's gospel, it may be the, the, the most famous one Jesus ever told. The story of the prodigal son and the, the older brother. And Jesus told this story for a reason. And Luke 15, 15, 1 through 2. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. In response, Jesus tells three stories. Then the last of which is this story of the older brother that we're considering here. Again, this is Luke 15. We're going to start in verse 20. We're going to read all through the next 12 uh, verses. It says, But while he, talking about the prodigal son, was still a long way off, this is when he's returning, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has has killed the fatted calf because he uh, has him back safe and sound. Then the passage says the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all of these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. It, you've never given me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours ha- has squandered your property with prostitutes, when he has come home, you kill the fatted calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The context of this story really is economic. Prodigal, it's not a synonym for sinner, as some people assume. It means someone who spends money and and resources recklessly with no thought of the future. People labeled others sinners in Jesus's community, remember, when they lived outside of certain interpretations of what it meant to be faithful to the teachings of the day. The label sinner, Dinner, it's it's always been tied to to the social purpose of marginalizing and or subjugating certain folks while privileging others. And I'm not saying that there's no such thing as intrinsically destructive choices. I am saying that designating someone as a sinner is bound up with social, political, and economic exclusion because it's based on the interpretations of those who were centered in society. And in this story, Jesus is including those whom the elite of his day taught should be excluded. I was once myself a fundamentalist. I used to believe that the only reason that anyone would not be Quote unquote, saved in the end was because they'd rejected God's love for them. But the longer I ponder the story of the prodigal son and his brother, the more I see how mistaken I really was. The context of this story shows that if any are left in outer darkness, and that, that phrase outer darkness is from Matthew 8 12, Matthew 22 13, Matthew 25 30, if any are left out of Jesus's vision of God's just future, it won't be because they could not believe God's love for them. Rather like like the older brother in this story, it'll be that they cannot accept the inclusion of someone else that they feel should be excluded. It's labeling someone else as other and seeking to exclude them from the table that causes us to be intrinsically out of harmony with Jesus' vision of God's just future. It's a, a world of safety and compassion and inclusion and just justice, and love, a future that we today can shape. And again, the elite class of the Jesus story, they didn't reject Jesus's vision of God's just future because God's love for them was just too good to believe. Rather, they, they rejected it because God's love for those they thought should be excluded was too inclusive for them to embrace. And one last example this is from Luke 19, 5-7. It says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. And this is the famous story of Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector who who climbed into a a tree uh, to see Jesus pass by. It's in Luke 19, 1 through 2. And as a person who's also of a shorter stature, uh, I, I know that if you're short, uh, you step up onto the curb to see a parade, and, and, and taller people usually stand behind you. And this works unless there are people there who don't want you to be there, and they shut you out from having a good view. So Zacchaeus, being resourceful, he knew the procession route, he ran ahead, and he climbed up a tree so that he could get a better view. And when this parade begins, Jesus, remember, is on his way to Jerusalem to confront the economic injustice of the economic, political, and religious elite at the heart of that society. But Jesus stops along the way to include this tax collector who he perceives is changing his mind about Jesus's economic teachings, specifically toward the poor. And imagine the people objecting to Jesus. But Jesus, this man is a sinner. Remember, there's that that term meant to exclude someone. Zacchaeus then interrupts all of them. And in verse 8, he says, as Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anything anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount just a few days earlier, some of the Pharisees they responded to Jesus' call to give their possessions to the poor. It says in luke 16, 13, and fourteen by by sneering at him, and I can imagine. That Jesus, with tears of joy in his eyes at this chief tax collector, uh, responding so differently, he says to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. And now, not everyone acknowledged that salvation had come. Those left outside in the Jesus story, uh, especially the story about the prodigal and the older brother, remember, those are not the ones whom the elites had labeled as sinners to be excluded. Those aren't the ones that are left out. The ones outside the party, they're the ones who cannot handle Jesus's model of a just future where those they feel should be excluded are included instead. What is the Jesus story whispering to us here in all these stories? Again, those left out of Jesus' vision of God's just future won't be those who couldn't believe in God's love for themselves. They'll be those who could not embrace God's love and inclusion for someone else, someone specifically whom they thought shouldn't be included. If you believe God loves someone then remember, justice isn't very far behind for that person either. Love for those on the margins, it's the seed out of which the reality of God's inclusive, just future sprouts. If in the Gospels God's just future looks like Jesus, and Jesus looks like the one we find in in the Jesus stories, then this should give those who believe in and practice exclusionary forms of Christianity quite a bit to ponder. Some sectors of Christianity today still practice inequality for women. Some sectors of Christianity, they still practice the bigotry of colonialist European and American white supremacy. Sectors of Christianity still practice the same economic classism that our society does. In large sectors of Christianity, they passionately exclude our LGBTQIA siblings. But to the degree that Christianity has practiced and led others in the practice of systemic and private, distributive, and inclusive justice— to that same degree, it has thrived. And to the degree that it's failed to practice justice, it's done much harm to people and to itself. The question Jesus' followers have to ask today is when we see Jesus's inclusion being practiced, do we celebrate like those who went in in the Jesus story? Or do we mimic the older brother and refuse to go in? Or or, or, or even threaten schism or or or, or or, or, or leaving to protect our practices and our, our sense of superiority. Heart group application this week. What movements do you see at work to bring about more inclusion and mutual participation in your faith communities? And then as a group, make a list of what you're seeing. Number two, what movements do you see at work to bring about more inclusion, representation, and equity in our larger society? As a group, make a list of these as well. And then number three, brainstorm with your group how you can collectively participate with the work that you see being done in both of these areas and then pick something from what you've come up with and put it into practice this coming week. Thanks for checking in with us right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.